0: what's going on everybody welcome in to underground sports philadelphia episode number 440 it's kb and matt coming at you we are live on facebook live on twitch live on twitter so shout out to the people who normally aren't watching the show but we are here we got a lot to dive into involving our philadelphia 76ers the phillies just can't beat the texas rangers to save their lives and uh the eagles will get into uh the, the stupidness of them changing one of the best fonts in football. Um, but before we get started, make sure you guys are following us here on the socials at PHI Twitter, Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt castarina Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Helps more people find the show, get the conversation flowing. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes of all your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows. So hit the subscribe button, click the bell icon, hit the like button, and obviously get that comment section flowing as well. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Summertime is here, full swing. And when you're outside, you need to be rocking those Tomahawk Shades. They're the best small batch eyewear out there, indoors, outdoors, and now prescription. Tomahawk Prescription Lens is now available at TomahawkShades.com. And when you use our code USP at checkout, you get 25% off your entire order. From our homies over at Tomahawk Shades, that's promo code USP at TomahawkShades.com for 25% off your entire order. Kenwood Beer, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. And our pals over at Bino Board, who have been stocking up new products left and right over the past couple of weeks, Go to BinoBoard.com, that's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com, and use our code BINOUSP to get 10% off your order at BinoBoard.com. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know. The Sixers have decided to uh, give us a flurry of news and rumors and speculations and people selling ownership stakes right before the draft. Uh, The biggest names, though, in these rumors— are all former Houston Rockets that were with Daryl Morey down in Houston? Is Daryl just trying to reassemble the Houston Rockets glory days?
1: I uh, sure hope not, because uh, about <laughs> five years too late. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to recapture the the glory a little bit. It's kind of like a a group of like dudes that have been friends for a long time trying and like have like another night out like they used to. It's like you're 31, you can't stay up till 3 a.m. anymore. You just can't like that magic is gone now um sorry pj tucker is 37 maybe maybe a three-year contract isn't the best idea but uh <laughs> yeah uh, pj tucker eric gordon the two names i think most uh most linked with the sixers of the last few days last week and i think in some ways it kind of makes sense pj tucker was quite literally almost name dropped by Joel Embiid uh in like his uh his exit interviews and you know, that was the type of player that he wanted. I think Daryl Morey took that very literally and said, well, then I will get you P.J. Tucker. Um, for reference, I would take P.J. Tucker on this team. A three-year contract would be a difficult one to swallow for sure because you're keeping him under contract until he's 40. Uh, you did see a decline in performance in these playoffs. So the price is steep. Um, but if that's the type of player that you know Embiid wants and if it still makes sense, uh, go for it. Uh, but you would be you'd be sacrificing other areas to, to get P.J. Tucker. And I, I think that'd be a concern because he'd really be going in and on this year uh, as your window. Um, the other big uh, transaction news, I think, has been Matisse and the 23rd pick potentially going somewhere. This is early reported as being uh, purely just a dump cap to, to be able to afford P.J. Tucker, uh, which is insane and has since been said to be quite clearly insane um and you know we that's that's been in, in the, the cards for a while though I would say with, with the draft tomorrow is that Matisse and that 23rd pick could end up somewhere um apparently the Sixers have been acquiring with other teams about how willing they'd be to, to take Tobias Harris on the contract as we know it's not just a burden on us uh, it is a burden on any potential you know future team because nobody really has the cap space uh, let alone the ambition to take on Tobias Harris so that's that's a, a a hole that I think we could say is pretty plugged up at this point I, I don't really see a total path where Tobias Harris is uh, is on some other team uh, next season and and that's just it is what it is at this point but uh, PJ Tucker would be a good get um, I'm curious to see what happens at the draft tomorrow because you know there's there's lots of action in fact we already had a trade today jeremy grant uh, going to the Trailblazers for pretty cheap actually um you know is the bucks first uh, which is you know, you'd expect to be in the late twenties, uh, unless something really disastrous happens injury wise there. But, uh, yeah, Jeremy Grant, a guy that was getting a lot of attention, a lot of buzz. And I think we can all remember when there was a time where people were trying to convince us that, uh, you know, Jeremy Grant from Ben Simmons was, uh, was the, that was the big prize. That was the big get was Jeremy Grant who just went for essentially a second round pick. So, um, yeah that that was a interesting trade that, that we had happen today and everything that i've heard about the draft seems to point that there could and we said this every going to the draft um but it, it's i think it's notable that there's been i think a lot of chatter that there there are moves to be made uh, we know rudy go bears is out there somewhere on the market um and people are, are, are anticipating a trade with that situation so um, stands to reason i think that you could have other trades. go on 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 draft night the Sixers could be involved in some of that
0: well Matt as Joel Embiid once tweeted way back uh, I want you to you know hop in the time machine and remember 2016 uh he he did in fact tweet well it's time to recruit KD um (laughs) because there seems to be turmoil in Brooklyn as well Seems to be. Um, <laughs> might be the since most when? blatantly obvious turmoil we've seen since uh, I don't know uh, February. Um, the most blatantly jam- <laughs> obvious
1: turmoil in public media since fucking uh, Avengers Civil War. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's in the title.
0: <laughs> Kyrie Irving and the Nets are at a quote-unquote impasse, and uh, it does not seem like he's going to be returning to the Nets, um, which begs the question, Tobias, do you want to go home, brother?
1: <laughs> it would be hilarious if Ben simpson and Tobias Harris are leading out the, like, <laughs> the, the, like, 40 and 42 Brooklyn Nets for the next, like, 40 seasons. Like, that would be um, – I don't even know if that team actually gets 40 wins, but just Ben, yeah. and Tobias, Seth uh, – actually don't Patty know. Patty Mills. I- <laughs> think that's that's maybe like a 35 win team I, i'm not too sure but yeah the kevin durant stuff as great as it would be obviously uh i don't see a pathway for that but no. you know what? it can't hurt the dream a little bit it can't hurt to uh to have your fun and enjoy it but yeah the net situation is interesting because obviously it's a another direct competitor in the east that could be significantly weakened if not totally irrelevant um you know going forward again and you know, it's sort of a, a bad cycle that they've been on where they've made these big swings and there's so much anticipation about their future. This one's the most bizarre though, I think, that we've ever seen, just given the circumstances and um, at times just a little bit of, of bad luck. But yeah, everything that happened with Kyrie this season and seems to now I think I think it's hard it's hard for me to imagine a situation where there isn't trust lost mm-hmm. and some some level of blame. Being directed towards him, I, I don't care what they say uh, to, to the public and to the media. When they're actually having like conversations behind closed doors, with just like two or three front office people, I'll, I, I have to feel that a lot of uh, this season's turbulence is being laid at the feet of Kyrie. And I don't think that's unfair either. By the way, <laughs> I, th- yeah. I think it's pretty clear to everyone from the outside looking in that this was a, a Kyrie-led sort of uh, uncomfortable situation. Um, you know, and it's part of the reason James Harden is a sixer is that. Kyrie's whatever you want to call it, his stand that he took this year, uh, was, was a big influence in him not wanting to be in net anymore. And yeah, Kevin Durant apparently not even uh not even reaching out to potential free agents in favor of the Nets. So he's he's checked out. Um, fair enough. He's he's on vacation mode. Can't blame him, but Hey, the union are playing again.
0: He's got bigger things to worry about.
1: Right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, MLS season's picking up, so he's he's got he's got other duties to, to focus on, or his weird police drones that he invested in, or something. But yeah, it's uh it's interesting because obviously that's going to dominate. I think the headlines, and you know, once the draft is over, that's all you're going to hear about because then what? We only have a, a week now, almost a little over a week till July, and you'll have free agency. Um, Kyrie Irving will will be a, a big part of that because. He could, he could leave. <laughs> and, uh, that would be shocking. Um, that would be a shocking... Well, I say shocking. I actually don't know that it is anymore. Nothing about surrounding Kyrie Irving's orbit. Um, and he does have an orbit, because it is circular, not flat Kyrie. But um, Well,
0: Kyrie's is flat.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. On it his plane of existence. His plane of existence. <laughs> um, no, there's actually not like a a, t- a woge tweet that would shock me anymore about Kyrie Irving. Like if he tweeted right now that he retired, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, if not he said he wanted to be the first man on Mars and sign an exclusive deal with like uh, Elon Musk to to be one of the first like 10 people to colonize Mars, I would not be shocked at it. You know, like that's that's the range that you have with Kyrie Irving uh, right now. So
0: um, I can't wait for the the Shams tweet. Kyrie Irving will appear on the Joe Rogan podcast tomorrow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, that definitely that definitely tracks. I would say. Um, yeah, it's a shame Rogan moved out of L.A. because that's that's where it seems like uh, maybe Kyrie said it. It would be hilarious if oh my god and and total <laughs> full circle or full square. I guess if we're still talking about Kyrie, um, for him to end up back with a LeBron team in the biggest market, the biggest team imaginable when he was uncomfortable with it when they were in Cleveland. Um, I can't imagine him as a Laker. You wouldn't talk about going from like complete polar opposites. Right. Cause like Brooklyn is not really an established part of like the New York media. Um, it's mm-hmm. still definitely like the, the little brother and it, the attention is not what it, it really is for like a Nick would be right. You go to the Lakers, like the most, I think, and I, I mean this in the nicest way possible, but in the truest way possible, the most toxic fan base, I think in, in not even just all of NBA. One of the, the worst, I would say, in all of like North American sports.
0: Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for tv and movies on the underground sports philadelphia podcast network join me kb and a plethora of our hosts right here at usp breaking down all the new tv and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts
1: um and yeah it's a a huge media market it's one of the most storied franchises that we have in this league um the the microscope on him there would be even worse but i i i can't imagine him i really can't imagine him as as a lake uh but it would be spectacular to watch
0: no if only doc could be there too
1: um (laughs) well you know i think i think what he needs is a doctor And that would be, I think, a really nice fit. So maybe the Lakers should reconsider uh, their their personnel decisions here.
0: I did see a tweet yesterday that said, you know, I see all these rumors and and potential moves for the Sixers. And then I remember Doc Rivers is our coach and it doesn't mean shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you graduate and see that, like the school that you went to got a really nice new gym. And like has like an all new cafeteria, It's like that's awesome, but like I don't get to live that. You know, right. like it's uh, <laughs> it's not for you. You know, like it's it's a nice addition. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad something nice is happening. But I, you know, not gonna change my life in any way. yet. that's that's what it feels like to be a Sixers fan right now. Is knowing that the top is still uh, is still diseased, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's just a tough
0: situation. And, uh, you know, on top of the P.J. Tucker three-year Udonis Haslam treatment rules, um, Eric Gordon also in Sixers rumor swirlings, and that's why I said at the top of the show, it feels like Daryl's just trying to rebuild the the Houston Rockets that he had with James Harden and everything, and they're just trying to build it around Harden and Embiid, and, you know, potentially Embiid was the one piece Daryl was missing, like the type of player he is down in Houston, but... It, like you said, it's five years too late to be doing all this. And while Eric Gordon's a nice, you know, bench piece, like what are you really going to give up to go get a guy like that? And, you know, it, it seems like it's just kind of living in a la-la land to recreate what you once had.
1: Yeah, it's definitely lacking in imagination, I would say. And Eric Gordon's not a, a simple addition either because his his salary is what it is, and uh, the Sixers would have to make some, like, ancillary moves to be able to to get him. And Eric Gordon would be a really good addition to this team. And I even think PJ Tucker would be. I'm not against those like in a vacuum. Um yeah, you know, I, I think those are fine additions to the Sixers. In fact, I think Eric Gordon would be one of our better like sixth men that we've had. Uh you know, especially during like this MB dominant era. But, you know, I it does worry me a little bit that those are the two names, you know, that that we're being linked to the most and you know this is like Maury's kind of make or break off season. Um, and it does, it does, I think it does speak a little bit to maybe a lack of imagination and maybe, you know, maybe he just feels like the, the best pieces available. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it's hard to, to read his mind exactly on that, but it does worry me a little bit that it's just like two familiar names being linked, you know, and, and that's, I think frustrating in a sense, because there are more than just these two NBA players. There, there are other guys you can go out and get, um, and I think it stands to reason too that you're not getting you're not getting the best years out of either of them either. I wouldn't say um, it's not like you're just trying to have these guys. You know, whatever you did to identify PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon five years ago, maybe you know. <laughs> think,
0: let's let's think, replicate that process.
1: Think in that process in that mode, and maybe we'll we'll get the conclusion that we're looking for. But uh, yeah, I I am a little worried that Maury might. But listen. It's, it's not done yet, right? Like, none of that has been set in stone. Um, this, these are just rumors at this point, you know, it's, but um, they're concerning in that way. Again, in a vacuum, I don't think they're the worst additions. I think when you add the context, though, um, maybe a, a slight cause for concern that it's like, this is like, this is your pitch, you know? Like, this is, this is what you have left because this is kind of it for the Sixers, you know? Uh, it's going to be much more difficult and challenging over the next few seasons to really add talent to this team. Cause you are, you're going to be star for picks. Um, and we, I mean, you're looking at it right now too. Like they don't have a ton of tradable contracts. So, you know, you, this, this summer is important and it, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be lost on that.
0: And right now it only feels like there's like five guys on this roster. The way, you know, things are shaped. Only five out. that I care about. It's very true. You know, it's Embiid, Tyrese Maxey. Those are your, you know, blue chip S tier players that hopefully are not going anywhere. Tobias Harris is still on this roster. Shake Milton is still on this roster. And then it's a whole lot of question marks.
1: Yeah. yeah. You forgot James Harden, uh, which
0: <laughs> Still a question mark because we don't know if he's opting in. We don't know, know if he's, he's opting yeah.
1: out. So apparently he's, and there was another report too, that he was going to opt out and just do a two-year, which is someone just misread uh, the, uh, the TV there. But uh, he's apparently going to opt in and then re-sign for two years, uh, like additional, so. It is what it is. Um, Harden, you know, it's tough. We we obviously didn't see Harden at his his current best form. He's, he's never going to return to 2018, 2019 Harden. That, that that player just isn't there anymore, and that's fine. Um, but we need to see more of the, the, the spurts that we got from him because we did see glimpses of still a very, very productive player in James Harden. And I still believe, too, you know, like this is even what I believe. The, the numbers spell this out. When Harden and the Beater on the floor, this is one of the best offenses in the NBA. That you know, that's that's just it. That that is the truth, and uh, you can build around that. That is that is a nucleus that you can form something good out of. You have another year of, of Austin Maxi development. You know, there there are things to be excited about. You know, like Paul Reed, Charles Bassie potentially being involved uh, more this season. Like there there are elements to the Sixers team that you like. Um, it's about cleaning up the edges now and and having a more like clear. Picture of this team and and what they're 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 going to be accomplishing. Um, Joe Girardi being fired gives me a lot of confidence because I did not think he would get fired. So maybe you know like the Sixers will catch some of that and uh, perhaps do what needs to be done. But yeah, I I I, th- I think there there are still question marks in this roster. But um, I am like optimistic about draft night tomorrow and free agency. Uh, I, I'm, I'm at least last year I was totally checked out. At this point, I don't know that I even looked at a basketball-related article at this stage. I think, actually, this is the anniversary.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it uh, was... Yesterday? Yesterday or two days ago was the anniversary of the infamous Ben Simmons pass out of the dunk. Yeah.
1: Maybe, uh, maybe one of the <laughs> lowest points in my Philadelphia sports career. So, um, this time last year, I was not even thinking remotely about the basketball team who plays in the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, so... Um, I guess that's a plus, is that we're back in at least. But uh, you know, they, 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 I can't stress this enough. The next week and a half is crucial for for the Sixers, and we say that every off season, Yeah. But every off we've been proven that they, they haven't, they have not made the, always the right and best choices, um, and then that's proven out. You know, over the course of the season, when you just haven't been able to to have the quality that you need.
0: Matt, you laid out uh you know your list after going full vecna mode on this NBA draft class. If the sixers do in fact keep number twenty three tomorrow night, if you had to you know put put your chip down on one of those guys or place them in order of where you think the sixers will take them, how are you feeling about uh hashtag Matt's guys?
1: So not to, not to cop out, but I think it's so much of it will depend on who drops that. And that has been kind of the Sixers MO, especially the last two drafts, uh, Tyrese Max, you dropped, uh Jaden Springer dropped to them. And I think those were kind of unanticipated uh, available selections when, when the Sixers picked there and it kind of just became a, you know, an obvious thing and everything we're hearing about this draft too, is that there is a lot of variability in the way people view prospects pretty much outside of even the top three, you know, outside of the, you know, some teams they love Jaden Ivey. You know, some teams like the Kings are fine with maybe trading the fourth pick away. Who knows, right? Um, if the Kings are ever trading a, a pick in the top five, you should acquire that pick. I don't care what you have to do, uh, you, you should you should take that because they're probably missing. So uh, whoever they're not going to pick with that, take them. And it's it's a pretty honestly probably higher than fifty percent chance that it's it's a, an all star player. But um, so not to be a cop out, it, it's hard to say because you just don't know who's dropping and. I've become a little less wise the idea that the Sixers might even be picking tomorrow, but um, yeah, I, I think they're you know, everyone we mentioned, you like your, your Jalen Williams, your, your Bochamp, uh, Tari Eason, EJ Liddell. Like if those are names that are, that are there for you 23, I think you had that conversation. Um, but there's certainly, I, I think there's reason for me to believe that there could be a guy that is being mocked a lot at, you know, 12 to 14 range. That falls because that's, that's just the way it's gone the last few years we, we've had that and um, it's a, if the sixers find a guy there that they really like that they've worked out or, or they have a consensus on um, I I'll be honest it's one of the very few things that I with the sixers I have complete trust with actually now is is picking in the 20s because they've they've hit enough on it um say what are you about thiable but it's not often that you get a contributor in the 20s uh, Tyrese Maxey is like already a massive, massive overstatement on, on where you're picking in the 20s typically. Um, you know, Jaden Springer, you know, hasn't developed yet at, at the Sixers, but by all accounts is going to get his chance this year and, and has impressed people. So the Sixers have done well with this pick in, in the last few seasons and I think are deserving of me. You know, if if there's someone there that you really love, take the pick, take the pick, because there are benefits too. It shouldn't, shouldn't be lost in the fact that taking a player's we have Tyrese Maxey you now for another few years on a rookie cost control contract. That is worth literal gold, especially with a team like the Sixers, you know, and the the contract situation that they're going to find themselves in, the, the luxury tax situation they find themselves in. Like that is that is a huge deal. You're obviously not going to pick a Tyrese Max every year. I know that, but you could pick again a Thibault type player that's giving you valuable rotation minutes and hopefully will be able to perform and, and play in the playoffs on a rookie deal. That's big. That is that is a big thing. So. Um, yeah, I, I think any of those names, I, I, think again, though, it's, it's, just gonna, it's gonna be a fluid situation. Like I, I feel it has been for the Sixers the last few seasons and then tight-lipped ever since, like, it's kind of shifted from Elton Brand, you know, like the only picks really in the last few years that have been like deadlocked were like Isaiah Joe. Um, that was, that was the only name in the last few years that I can really remember that was like, and they were talking about taking him with their, their picks in the twenties, uh, that year. So, um. Yeah, they've been kind of tight lipped the last few years, too. And, you know, we haven't gotten a a, a great read on who they're really targeting. Uh, so we'll have to see.
0: The Get in the Whole podcast, hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get in the Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Family of Podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think Daryl just shoves Elton in a broom closet during draft night and is like, shut your mouth. Let's let's keep this moving. He, he gives
1: him the iPad baby treatment. He, <laughs> uh, he just sits him up with a tablet. Over Here, there. play with the, the trade like, machine. Yeah, you got this. Hey... <laughs> Hey, Elton, why don't you, we got pick 58. We're going to buy pick 58. Why don't you go just tell me who you like at 58? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Elton gets.
0: What mid-major school did you talk to on the phone last week? Hit that kid up real quick. We're going to make his dream come true. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it, I think, since the Thibel draft. Like, it can't be lost that the Sixers need these cost-controllable, cheap rookie contracts on this roster to fill out depth and, you know, Sometimes you get lucky with a Tyrese Maxey where they become a, a starter, but you need those cost-controllable contracts to fill out this roster because you have guys like Embiid. You have Tobias Harris still on this roster. James Harden's going to be making a boatload of money. There's not a lot of money to divvy around in free agency and trades to to hand out to a bunch of you know top-level talent. You have to have these guys and hit on the draft in order to fill out your roster.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and again, the Sixers have been – if you look at it, the, the the number of guys that have been picked in the relative positions that the Sixers have, they have they've done very well compared to the rest of the NBA in doing that. So um, if it's a skill, if it, it's an actual skill that they're doing, uh, which isn't going to pay out for you every year, you're going to have misses. James Springer could be a miss, of course. Um, but, it, you know, if, if you really believe in yourself and you have this edge on people in, in picking in this range and you're able to identify these guys that, that, maybe drop or maybe people aren't picking it up ground on. And it's not inconceivable too. I, I joked about buying a pick of 58, but the Sixers could do that. You know, and they've done that and they've had reasonable success. You know, like, again, us, I think people, this happens a lot with drafts in general, uh, outside the NFL draft. Cause like usually a first round pick is pretty much always going to at least be a starter for you, or at least a rotational player in some sense. But like in every other draft, any pick that becomes a starter, especially in the NBA if you can pick a starter at any point in the draft pretty much, that's a, that's a good pick outside of like the number one overall pick right you'd, you'd obviously be hoping for something more um, but especially the later you go like if you can find a guy that could even just start a few regular season games for you through the court like that's good that is a that is an objectively good pick like most players do not turn into that you know in, in these later round positions. It's even more rare for a second-round guy to be making it back. How many times do we hear about these? these, Who remembers Carson Edwards hype, right? We we would not shut up about this guy a few years ago.
0: Myself included.
1: (laughs) Not to say that he can't have a successful NBA career yet, right? Like, he can still obviously. But, like, you're seeing now that it it is just hard. It is hard to make the breakthrough. It is hard to make an NBA roster. It's why these guys make so much money because there's only so many of them that can do this. Because it is such a, a tight, tight breakthrough to make. So um, the fact that the Sixers have had any success like they've had over the last few years with with these, these late first and second round picks and that, uh, them at least being capable on an NBA floor is commendable. It really is.
0: 100%. And, you know, one thing that hasn't really been capable is the ownership group of, you know, just not being certified scumbags. And I think the one guy that, like, Everybody was like, oh, he's the cool part of the ownership group. Michael Rubin selling uh, his 10% stake in Harris Blitzer Entertainment. Um, Very close, you know, confidant to Joel Embiid. He's, uh, you know, one of the big catalysts for helping get Meek Mill out of jail and get right to the Sixers game to ring the bell uh, a couple years ago. But Michael Rubin uh, selling his ownership stake in the Sixers.
1: Yeah, so apparently... uh... I think the the word is that Fanatics is getting in on sports betting. Um, So there's like a conflict of interest in him having ownership in in the Sixers and and the Devils Um, and, you know, obviously having an ownership stake in in something that's on sports betting. You know, so Um, I saw a really funny uh, Sixers Reddit post that was a, how much does a, a, like, hypothetically, a 10% stake in a, in a team, is that enough? ownership to be able to remove, say, a manager or a head coach uh, from because their- <laughs> uh, maybe we could just do a little crowdfunding and uh, and, and make some like, make some phone calls. But yeah, um, I've never cared much for any of the Sixers chuds like <laughs> they can all they can all rot as far as I can. Michael
0: Rubin about. felt like the most like,
1: yeah, awkwardly
0: placed member because he doesn't seem like one of those like hedge fund tools.
1: Yeah, he like wasn't born with like Sperry's on, so I think that's why he's always seemed like at least semi-normal. But none of them are. They're all freaks. Yeah. Um, just keep signing the checks. That's all. I, keep signing the checks and shut your mouth. That's all I want to hear out of these people. I they, Nothing else. That's it.
0: And stop trying to build stadiums down by the waterfront.
1: And stop trying to build stadiums. And if you're going to pay for it, you're goddamn self.
0: Yes. Yeah. No shots. Yeah. Matt, I don't know, you know, we inducted going into this year uh, the stupidity of Bitcoin and NFTs and crypto into our podcast Hall of Fame. Did you see this tweet that went pretty viral? Uh, The sports stars who have suffered the biggest salary losses from investing parts of their signing bonuses and everything into uh, different and various uh, cryptocurrencies?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is uh, in some serious trouble because he probably probably owes money now.
0: (laughs) Well... He's he's not the only one. I have the list here uh, that I saw. This is from uh, David Ferones. Um He's a Miami Dolphins beat reporter for the Sun Sentinel down in Miami. Um, so there are a bunch of NFL players. There's one NBA player who's near and dear to our hearts. Uh, and two soccer players. So a lot of this, except for one, there's multiple, but... Everybody here on this list invested in Bitcoin with their signing bonuses. So I'm going to read these off to you. Uh, MLS, uh, the last name is Achara. I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name. Uh, He invested in Bitcoin May 23rd, 2021, which is an estimated $30,000, $30,283. The current value on that, Matt, is $11,172. A percentage return of negative 63.1%. Good job, Chief. That's just the the beginning layer here. I'm going to skip over the biggest one that has gone nuclear on Twitter. Uh, The next soccer player is in the USL, Alex uh, Crognail. He invested in Bitcoin October 12th, 2021, an estimated $54,458. Its current value, $20,466 for a percent return of 62.4%. Next player, I don't even know who this is, but he plays in the NFL. His name is Sean Culkin. Invested in Bitcoin around the NFL draft in 2021, April 27th, $920,000, Matt. It nice. is now <laughs> depreciated 61.6% to leave him with $353,099. Russell Okung, who was like at the forefront of getting his... uh. His signing bonus switched over to Bitcoin. Uh, this was February 22nd, 2021. Matt, he invested $6.5 million. Russell. That is now depreciated 60.9% uh, down to $2.54 The next player is the one that's near and dear to our hearts. The AI after AI now four-time NBA champion Andre Iguodala invested in Bitcoin just this year, January 10th, 2022, a whopping $2.64 million. It's down 48.2%, leaving Iggy with $1.37 million to celebrate his fourth NBA title with.
1: That's egregious. Um, it, You know what's interesting? Before we move on to the last one, because... This was a thing in, in European soccer too, where they were selling fan coins, and fans were able to buy crypto Jesus. coins of uh you know of their favorite team and like you know, they sold you on this nonsense that like in the future you'd be able to get like memorabilia or like dumb stuff, right? Um, all of them have like crashed, shoot, like by like a hundred percent, ninety percent, um, and yeah, you know just leave and what's worse is these are guys that have just bought in there's there's guys uh like daren fox i think had his own like crypto coin or whatever that was just like a rug pull like that, yeah. like there's people there's people all over the place and just they're just leaving uh people that bought in on their crypto coins or whatever just hold the bag
0: he told people to sell them and he'd send them signed jerseys <laughs> yeah uh we got we got two more before the big kahuna on this one Uh, Like you mentioned, Odell Beckham Jr., January 24th, 2022, uh, $750,000. I think that was with a hashtag not a sponsor cash app deal. Um, That is now down 42%, which is leaving Odell, who is still a free agent, with $434,976. And the next one's very funny. Uh, Saquon Barkley, July 15th, 2021, Bitcoin. 10 million dollars it's down 33.4% leaving him with 6.66 million and here's the funniest one Matt because this was an endorsement deal when he got drafted invested in three separate cryptocurrencies at his former number one overall pick current quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars Trevor Lawrence
1: Jesus Christ
0: Bitcoin Ethereum and Solana May 2nd, 2021, $24 million. It's down 62.7%, leaving Trevor Lawrence with that portion of his rookie signing bonus as the former number one overall pick with $8.96 million.
1: That's insane. I mean, that's, you know, like. $24 $8.9 Twenty four million and eight point nine million are still life changing money for like everyone else, but just like to lose, lose that much money, losing nearly nearly sixteen million dollars in a year. That's crazy.
0: That's insane.
1: I think Solana. Solana's, is like the the one that I think that has been like really tough. I I try and stay away from the crypto stuff because it's just like. It's exhausting. I mean, it is exhausting to read through. But Solana, I think, is one of the worst performing ones. And like, there's been, I think they've like locked people out of like drawing funds and stuff, like all types of like stuff that normally, if this was a regulated market, you wouldn't be able to just do. Right. Um, but hey, you got your decentralized economy here. It is you idiots. Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then uh, apparently, because these these companies have lost so much money. Thankfully, it wasn't with the Phillies, but the Angels and another team uh, were supposed to have, like, their jersey patch uh, sponsors, and FTX was the the company, and they had to pull out of—oh, is the Wizards, who had a an unnamed brand that was going to be their jersey patch sponsor, and the Angels, because next year, I think, or in two years, Major League Baseball is going to have their jersey patch sponsors— and uh, FTX had to pull out because they've laid off, like, 20% of their company because of how bad crypto is tanking.
1: Nah, it's fine. Uh, I'm sure the, the Crypto.com arena is going to be that for, forever. It's always going to be the Crypto.com
0: arena. Totally. Yeah, Staples is probably just looking through the mirror like Spongebob. Hey, guys.
1: <laughs> totally, totally not an Enron Field situation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally not going to look weird in, like, 20 years when people talk about uh, this time in history. Oh, if we're still yeah. talking about it, I mean... It was yeah.
0: We might be uh sending it on the blockchain. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what they want you to believe, is that that's, like, where this is all headed, and it was a heavy heart, I tell these people, no, it's not... It's not going to go the way that you think it is.
0: We'll just be talking about it in Color World and Color Star, Matt.
1: <laughs> Lest we forget.
0: <laughs> uh, The Phillies this season just seemed unable to beat the texas rangers they lose both games matt um as they get set for a big four game series against the padres this coming weekend things are still kind of looking up for the Phillies in terms of where they are in the standings heading into that you know end of june series against the braves but i don't know what it is about the texas rangers this year they just had the phillies number
1: yeah it's it's super frustrating because it did pretty much what we uh I mean, we really wanted them to sweep the Nationals, but we have said four out of five against the Nationals. That's that's good. Live with that. Totally cool. Um, you know, now you, you drop two to the Rangers, which is so frustrating because the Rangers are not as bad as the Nationals. Nationals are, you know, one of the worst teams in baseball, but uh, definitely a team you would, you would hope to be beating. It's okay, in a sense, because you've had such a good last few weeks that, you know, but you, you can't help be reminded of the times where you've seen this team cool off, you know, and start to worry a little bit. And now you go into a very pivotal series, but um, they had won five straight series going into the, the Rangers. Um, you know, that's a, that's a long win streak. I, I, don't, I don't know the last time the Phillies have won that many series in a row, to be to be honest. Uh, it just <laughs> has not been the thing that we've done well. Consistency has not been the, the Phillies' uh, M.O. over At the last all. few seasons, so... Um yeah, it's 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 frustrating, especially because you kind of you kind of waste a Wheeler day today. Um, and you don't really want to make a habit out of that. And when you're leading into what is a, a really important Padres series, when you consider, like, the wild card picture, um, you'd like to be going in with a little more momentum. But the National Series was good. Um, it's everything that we've, we've kind of wanted the Phillies to be in, in that they take care of the bad teams. And that's what you need. And I, I think what gives me a lot more hope, too, is – I felt like we were really far, far better than the Nats. We didn't play at their level. And we don't – the bulk of our play against them is, like, after August. You know, like, not after – but, like, late August into September. Like, that's a good time to be playing the Nationals because, one, they'll probably have traded some pieces away at that point. Uh, so it'll be, you know, perhaps a, a, a bit of a depleted roster. They certainly won't be playing for anything at that point. Um, you know, we'll playing like developmental guys probably so – um, that's the good thing is, is that they actually looks like a competent team against an inferior squad, which is just <laughs> that's, that's the kind of test that we needed them to pass. So
0: I still don't understand how Jerry's familia is on this team. Even after last night, you know, he comes in, it's, it's a close game, still a winnable game and just comes in. He just continued. He's like the new Ian Kennedy Ian Kennedy would come in last year and boom, home run games out of reach. Now, like, I don't know what it's going to take for the Phillies to just like cut their losses with this guy, but I'm adding him to the list of Demarco Murray and Al Horford of just being, uh, you know, secret spies on the inside for Philadelphia rival teams.
1: Yeah, like uh, it might take a Kennebale-esque meltdown and several of them because that's really what it took with Knievel, <laughs> Um before he he gets the hook. But the, the problem is, Phillies, you know they don't have that established guy. Like the, the reason you're seeing familiar a bit more is because Kniebo has not been able to, to be consistent. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that, that is raises an interesting question too, because, you know, next few weeks, will be starting to get into trade deadline talk and, you know, what the Phillies, what, what types of moves the, they're going to be making. And, you know, you still have some time before then, but that's the, whether this team is going to have to make some big decisions over the next, you know, what month, uh, you know, is, is about, how aggressive do you get and, and what are you getting and who and for how long, you know, like that's, that's a checklist they're going to start having to to really uh, contend with now because you've seen, I think you've seen enough from this, not quite first half of the season, but the first third of the year where um, this team is, is capable of being competitive. Uh, you could see the team in the playoffs. And like I said, I said this at the very beginning of the season, I could be more convinced that the Phillies win a World Series than necessarily win the playoffs. I think this this is the type of team, and I still believe this that if you get in the playoffs with this team, it could be a real problem for lots of other squads, especially if we we see the sustained hitting that we've seen with them at times. Like, I I think this is a team that could that could make a lot of noise in, in October. I really do.
0: I think one of the big questions now heading into the trade deadline and as you approach it, not only did you already need bullpen help. How much can you rely on Zach Eflin staying healthy? He gets pulled in that Sunday game after two innings. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer,
1: upper 90. You already know. (laughs) You already know. I think that's we, how it we always goes. Like forty-five previous, like,
0: minutes, and we we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> right, what about? are we doing? <laughs> um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt Street. and we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today.
1: Robbins time. What's up? We're back.
0: Say it's, you know, inflammation, he should be fine, but over the past couple seasons, he's had this knee issue, and if he's out for any amount of time where he's not on his at very minimal like B-minus game, you can't go into a given series with just Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Kyle Gibson, and then hope your bullpen can get you through a Ranger Suarez and a Zach Eflin and or Bailey Falter, you know, throwaway game. You you kind of have to start looking at the starting pitching market now if you're the Phillies when it comes to the trade deadline.
1: Yeah, which I mean, there there is a market there. So it's not like you're, you're going to be necessarily picking up scraps. But um, the problem is the Phillies, similar to the Sixers, don't have the best pool to be digging from. Um, and I think they're going to have to make some hard decisions now. The Phillies have done okay, I would say, in recent history in trading away prospects. Um, they've missed some of them. I think the only one, but even then, you know, struggled with injuries. Is someone like Sixo and uh, JP Crawford? Like those are the only two names that I would say in, in recent memory that have been traded away. You feel like, damn, I wish, wish we hadn't. Um, but you know what? You live with, with what the, the return was and, and that's it. Um, so you're going to have to have, I think, that conversation as an organization if, if you're the Phillies about which prospects are perhaps expendable at this point in time and, and maybe just move on from. Prospects are nice. Everyone loves them. Everyone loves that guys in the top 100 list, no doubt about it. But um, what's even better is making the playoffs. Because I would say this too. I think making the playoffs is eminently important for this team because – this is a a big off season for the Phillies too, not to get too far in the weeds here, but if you don't make the playoffs, I mean, if I'm John Milton, why the hell are you asking me to spend another 50, 60 million in the off season? If I just spent 50, 60 million the last three and it's gotten us nowhere, you know, like I, and I I don't think that's a, would be a totally unreasonable thing to say, (laughs) honestly. Um, So I think there needs to be a tangible proof here of life with this Phillies team. And that, comes by the way making the playoffs and, and potentially being a real competitive team.
0: So I have the Phillies top 30 prospects pull it up here, Matt. And if we're going into the trade deadline, looking to get, you know, you'd probably say two relievers, maybe if not, you know, at bare minimum one, and then you're looking to get a starting pitcher and maybe, you know, a, a bench piece or something like that. Uh, I'm going to read off some names that are familiar with a lot of people. You tell me if you're okay, including this prospect, in a trade package at the deadline. Uh, First off, number 27, he's been, uh, you know, up and down with the fills, but number 27 on the top three, Damon Jones, left-handed pitcher. Uh, MLB.com's prospect list has him as a 3A prospect, which is, you know, pretty decent. You know, it's right before that A-plus mark. Um, Damon Jones, 6'5", left-hander. Would you rather see him come up and pitch out of the bullpen or would you rather use him to go get somebody
1: i without knowing much about him i'm not gonna pretend like i'm a damon jones expert but uh lefties are always valuable um and i I think pitching is a an area that the phillies could probably do more with kicking the tires on what they already have not that you like supplement making a trade and just say we're going to stick with the young guys but um in a vacuum, I, I think a player like that I'd probably like to at least get some more uh, more interest on.
0: And I'll say this. He is 27.
1: I did not realize he was 27. That does change the, the math a little bit.
0: A little. Uh, number 26 on the Phillies prospect list is uh, preseason spring training sensation uh, catching prospect Donnie Sands.
1: He's at 26. That's interesting. Uh, um,
0: twenty-sixth ranked prospect in the Philly system.
1: Wow. Um, probably move on from that. Cause you have another guy who will probably get to that, you know, is making waste, but also could be traded too. Uh, you know, again, we listen, Spencer Howard was supposed to be our baby. Right. And then came up into it. And honestly, what we got out of him for then, you're not getting out of him now. You're not getting that value again. And not that it was a super valuable trade to begin with, but, um, <laughs> There is a science and an art, I would say, to... Uh, what's that song? You know, you gotta know when to hold them, and you gotta know when to cash that, that, uh, that value in, because JT is the catcher for the next two or three seasons, three seasons at least, and guaranteed money. Um,
0: we all know the traditional Big Four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremenz as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. <laughs>
1: are you really playing that game? Who knows? Right. So I think a catcher, you can, you can move on.
0: I have uh, the next one, number 23 on the list, his expected arrival date for the majors is 2024, five foot 11, 190 pound 21 year old shortstop prospect, Jamari Baylor.
1: Yeah. So infield is, is an interesting place for the Phillies because you look at the, the future contracts too. Not a lot of guys tied down either. Um, I think a lot of question marks about the future of the, the Phillies infield uh, Gene a is going to be a big question this off season, And obviously, you know, he's going to have this layoff with this injury this year, but someone like Reese, even uh, you know, th- there's question marks around him, Alec Bowman, in terms of like his future fit within the infield. I-, I think there's questions about, then there's a few prospects that, you know, we're still nebulous about. So I think, I think the infield I would want to hang on to, um, uh, especially someone that young, I, I think there, there's plenty of time to see some development there and the Phillies, if the one thing we've noticed about some of these prospects is perhaps uh, late bloomers, you know uh, we're not we're not usually want to give guys uh, a lot of time before they you know reach you know 23 24 years old.
0: Next one is the number 20 prospect. we saw him for a brief stint uh, this season. uh he's down in double a. I think he was called up earlier. During uh, you know, Bryce's little stint on the injured list, Simon Muzziati, uh, twenty-three year old left-handed, six foot one, hundred and seventy-five pound outfielder, he's in Double A right now. He's gotten a little crack at the majors, but was sent down. You know, a few days into that, but would you be okay parting ways with Simon, or do you want to see him? Not uh...
1: a name like that. <laughs> not a name like that. We're not racing uh, Italian American heritage like that. No <laughs> shot. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Uh, he was one of the guys that he was made a free agent when he was in the Dominican Summer League as part of uh, the Boston Red Sox penalty for international signing infractions. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Number 16 on this list. You know I got to bring him up. I don't want to see him go anywhere. You don't want to see him go anywhere. Mickey Moniak.
1: Yeah, no shot. Untouchable in my eyes. Agreed. I'll say this. I think... The problem with Mickey Moniak is is that I don't know what his value is outside the Phillies organization. Feels like it's like when people are talking about uh, cutting loose on Bone. It's like you're why, you're trading him at as low as possible value. The only like you're really not winning that trade ever. Uh, I don't care who you're really getting on the other side. So uh, I, I'd be keeping Moniak. I think there's something there still. I, I'm Agreed. I'm a I'm a firm Mickey believer.
0: Uh, The next one, the number 11 prospect for the Phillies, another outfielder. He's 23. His expected arrival date in the majors is next season. He's in double A right now. He's been crushing in the minors for as long as we can remember. Jalen Ortiz.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd be keeping him as well. I think outfield has been a sore spot for the Phillies um, outside of Bryce. and Now now you have Castellanos, of course, but um, I think you, you have that conversation.
0: Number nine, Francisco Morales, who's kind of been up and down when they've needed bullpen uh, help, but he is the number nine prospect in the Phil system. Twenty-two years old, uh, he's six foot four, right-handed. He's pitching in Double A right now. Is that somebody you'd include in a trade, or would you rather hold on to a you know top ten pitching prospect? I th- I think
1: people get I get the allure of pitching prospects. I understand it. So often they like. Pitching is such a turnstile for everyone but the Phillies in terms of like production that I would be okay with paying up to get solid pitching. And I, I think it's something the Phillies haven't done. And I don't know if that's an organizational just philosophy at this point or what, um, I would be happy giving up pitching prospects to get an established pitcher. Uh, at this point in the Phillies
0: now down in, uh, high single a the Phillies are assembling their next generation of a rotation allegedly with some of the most recent pickups and I want nothing more to see than to see these three guys in a rotation with Wheeler and Nola Andrew Painter who was recently promoted uh to where he's at now he's only 19 years old he's six foot seven great Great name name, as a pitcher great name. Uh, Mick Abel another great name Uh, That's like
1: like those 1920s (laughs) names
0: that we... uh... Extra, extra, Mick Abel drafted in the first round. And then the number eight pitching prospect, you're going to love this name too, Griff McGarry. At least
1: they got to make it. They got to (laughs) make it.
0: They got to be untouchable. Uh, And then rounding out the top 10, Logan Ohoppy, who has been taking Philly's Twitter by storm uh, down in double-A. He's been crushing the ball, potential next catcher uh, you know, of the future for this team. Johan Rojas, another superstar outfielder, 21 years old. Um, he's number four. Hans Kraus, who you acquired in the Spencer Howard trade last year, he's number five. Ethan Wilson, an outfielder who I believe they drafted two years ago, I want to say. Uh, He's the number six, Luis Garcia, who is a shortstop prospect, which kind of has me thinking about, you know, if you do trade Jamari Baylor, who is not projected to come up until 2024, where you have Luis Garcia, who's in high single A, he's also not supposed to come up till 2024. He's 21 years old, but he's a much higher rated prospect. So maybe you can part with Jamari Baylor. Um, He's also a switch hitter, Luis Garcia, which is always valuable. And then uh, you have Eric Miller, who's a left-handed pitcher, who's in double-A as well. But those are the, you know, some of the top 30 guys that the Phillies are going to have to look at, depending on who they want to acquire uh, when the trade deadline rolls around, because there's going to be plenty of names, I'm sure, thrown out there with some of these teams that are struggling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think we'd love to get attached to prospects. We do it. Everyone does it. There's no shame in it. Uh, but I think you do – the Phillies have done okay in recent history, like I said, and I think judging the likelihood of this guy really and, and what the cost is too, because something like, you know, 6 at the time, and even when he was starting to get burned with the Marlins, it was like, damn, it's looking very good. Um, now, you know, some of that stuff has been out of his control now with some of the injuries and things like that, but um, the price is getting JT Real Muto, and that seemed worth it. Uh, so, you know, you can give up, not give up on a, on a player in your top 10, but you, you can be comfortable with making that choice of, of getting an established player right now, uh, that, you know, for certain too, because even then a top 10 prospects can, can still falter and, and struggle at the top level. We're seeing it this season. Um, you know, we see it last season and, and seasons prior, like around the entire league, not even just with the Phillies. So, um, I think we had a tendency to really like attach ourselves to these prospects and, and really, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with it, but, um, you know, established guys are established guys. And there's a reason that you have farm systems because usually, you know, a handful of guys every year are giving you any kind of production out of that um, if you're lucky even. So um, I, I would just always say, like, not not sell your hopes too much on the guys coming up the farm, especially with the Philly system. We've just not been a team.
0: <laughs> that, and uh, even going left. back to, like, during the run when the Phillies were making those big swing trades for Roy Oswald, Cliff Lee, Hunter Pence – there's two guys who are still in the majors right now from those guys that we traded. Jonathan VR, who's, you know, bounced around, but made a a quality, you know, career for himself and Carlos Carrasco. Those are the only two that really stuck around after they got traded and made names for themselves in the big leagues.
1: Yeah. And um, worth it, (laughs) you know? Um, So yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have this idea of like your prospects coming up and and being part of it. But at the end of the day, I think, the Phillies have to make a, a hard decision. It's not an easy one over the next month about where they want to be in the off season and what type of, of caliber of player two they're going after it and, and where. So um, that's why they get paid the big bucks is to make those, those tough choices.
0: Are you at all concerned about Nick Castellanos right now? Everybody on Twitter seems to be screaming and yelling that quote unquote covers the team. Um, about how he's struggling and, you know, he's got a 694 OPS and how much of that is playing into, you know, him having to play the outfield every day when he was brought here probably thinking he was going to be a designated hitter for the most part. I mean, you got to control what you can control, but I'm not one of those people that are out here like, oh, if you could right now, would you undo the Castellanos contract? Not at all. Why Why would you get rid of one of the best power hitters in baseball because he's, you know, going through a slump the first three months in a new city?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think people pushing the panic button is probably a bit too much. Uh, is there reason to believe that like last year's Cassianos is not him forever? Yes, but you know, there's also I think people forget this. There was equal concern about Bryce when he came here too. That you know, his the likelihood of Bryce being like a perennial MVP candidate was probably not on very high. It was certainly possible, and we're getting that so. Not to say Castellanos is going to turn into an MVP player, but I, I would not be undoing the contract right now uh, for Castellanos. I think that's that's an overreach. It hasn't been, uh, you know, the great start necessarily that we we've wanted, um, but he hasn't been, I would say, like a detriment to the team to this point either. I, I think people have swung maybe the other way a bit too harshly. Uh, sometimes stuff like this is a pendulum where you're really hyped for Castellanos and it has to swing back just as far the other way uh, before you meet somewhere in the middle. So um, I I think people need to to relax a
0: little bit. I should have brought this up uh, last week when I saw it, but did you see uh, Liam Castellanos? He's always at the home games and everything. And whenever Nick comes up to bat, he runs down to the, uh, you know, the netting and everything. And he was trying to reflect his baseball cards into the Marlins pitcher's eyes,
1: (laughs) which is like Bravo. I mean what a just weapon. the best the best kind of stuff. That is like that's the kind of menace that we need. Yes. You know, when people talk about like home field home court advantage, that's that's what we mean. That's going the extra mile yeah. and you know what we knew from the beginning that Cassianos was going to fit in very well here. Um and it's nice to see that it is a generational thing too. Yes. That, <laughs> that future Cassianos <laughs> descendants will also uh fit in very well in Philadelphia, so
0: See what you could have done, Astros? Instead of using trash cans, you just got to use baseball cards and just get the it's fans that involved. That way it's that you're easy. out of the way. Um, taking a look at the NLE's run differential real quick as well, brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. Uh, rack up points on your fan profiles. Cash them in for prizes. Go to playpickup.com. Matt, the Phils have uh, lost a little bit of ground. Uh, in the run differential race recently. The Mets still leading the way at plus 64. The Braves sitting at plus 45. Philly's still in their best position in quite some time at this point in the calendar at plus 27. The Marlins at plus 14. And that stolen franchise, the Washington Nationals, at minus 106.
1: Yeah. um, God bless the Nationals, is all I'm going (laughs) to say. Uh, It's been let me tell you it's been a, it's been a rough few years for the dc metro area so uh you know thoughts and prayers all that but um i i might have to dive into this for the next time but i don't know the last time we were in june with uh, like an actual positive run differential. yeah just like plus two or plus something two.
0: uh
1: you know like an actual yeah positive run differential is this is rarefied air for us the last yeah it's kind of nice this is different yeah <laughs> I'm pretty good about where we're at. So. And shout out to the Marlins. You know what? People said they couldn't. And here they are at 30 and 36 still with a plus 14 run. That's crazy. Good for them. You know what? They're just an enigma in, in so many ways.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, we got the Dodgers who are in second place in the NL West at plus 120 and the Yankees at plus 144.
1: You know what's crazy? The Yankees are amazing. And no one's talking about it really. And it's like... It's such a strange thing because usually everyone can't shut up about the Yankees. It's like they're having this historic season so far, it, it just... it to me, I'm not the most plugged in baseball person, but to me, it doesn't feel like something that is like really been like shoved down our throats. It's yeah. kind of nice, but also like pretty scary. I was like a year off on my Yankees World Series prediction, so it'll be nice to be uh, potentially have some retribution. Philly Yankees go. again. How about that? The Joe Girardi. Uh, <laughs> whoever, whoever loses has to rehire Joe Girardi. <laughs>
0: uh, and then last bit of baseball news. Apparently Mike Trout has stepped down as commissioner of uh, that famous fantasy football league.
1: Shocking. Shocking development there. So a new commissioner and coming into the listen, works. You know what? He's a man who respects the in- institutions and the office that he held. And good for him on, on doing what he, he thinks is-, is the best for the whole league. Maybe takes Rob a, Manfred man. will see that. And... Takes a big man to do that. Takes a big man to do that.
0: Uh, we'll wrap up with this. Did you see the Eagles change their uh, their so font stupid. for their jerseys? It yeah. is it Who is so about? bad. Nobody asked for it. It came out of the blue. And then uh, I saw on Twitter, Nick Johnson, shout out to the man. He found the font on like the third page of like that DAfont.com. <laughs> That's tough.
1: You know, it's it's strange too because it feels like it felt like one of those April Fools' things. You know, like companies and brands are always mm-hmm. like April Fools, where like or like when IHOP was IHOP. You know, yeah. it's like okay, like we know we we all know this is a bit. You don't have to do this. So it, it felt like that, but um, this is real. I guess. Like I just, I don't know uh, why. It's like this weird thing too with like modernity where we have to have these like logos and labels that are all like uniform and fitted like you can be a little unique it happens a lot with the uh, MLS right now where a lot of teams are like no more like the the cool nicknames and stuff the stuff that's kind of like, North American you know and having a mascot mm-hmm. for your team and stuff and they're just changing it to the city and SC or FC after. it's just it's kind of lame like yeah. embrace it embrace it I don't know did it really need to be changed absolutely not no.
0: The only yeah. thing I can think of is that it's for because they did say it's not the primary uh font the only thing I can think of it's going to be for the the Kelly Green jerseys. But
1: why not like, just because the, the font uh... that it
0: is it's like the thing that's like right below the uh the like NFL crest on the like collar. Okay. It usually is on there on the jerseys where the traditional one is and that's the only thing I can think of is that it's for this, you know, revolutionized kelly green rebirth um but it look i i said on Sunday show it looks like you know when somebody goes to the barber shop and gets a slit in their eyebrow yeah, that's the what tiger it looks stripe. like on some of the on some yeah, of these Eagle's letters
1: you got, got the tiger stripe they ready for the summer i it's a little too close to the jets too i would say
0: yeah um, the like chargers like weird and,
1: and blocky looking like that come on yeah
0: well
1: we, we don't need that we don't need to yeah, do that it's pretty better bad than
0: that. um the Eagles were doing so well, and then they got us yelling about a fun in June. That's all we got for you guys uh, because we still don't – we'll probably have to get your brother on at some point to see how he feels about uh, it being torts time in Philadelphia. Um, but make sure you guys are following us on the socials at PHI on Twitter, Instagram, follow Matt on Twitter at matt Castorina, follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Uh, leave those five-star ratings and reviews as well. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Hit the like button. Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single episode of your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows. Big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie, Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Tomahawk Shades, best small batch eyewear in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use our code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker. That's how you find out who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And be your board... Go to BinoBoard.com and use our code bino USP for ten percent off your order at BinoBoard.com. Midwest Matt coming through this weekend. Be the big
1: C bus, you know what it is. The C bus. I've yeah.
0: uh, I've been tasked with. So we're gonna we're gonna keep top bins rolling this week, and Dom and I are gonna do a uh, a World Cup cities breakdown, uh, which will be very exciting.
1: Yeah. Uh, God bless. <laughs> enjoy, <laughs> enjoy keeping Tom's attention for an hour. <laughs> yeah, It'll good, be like the yeah. good old days. I don't know if we even mentioned on the main show that uh, Philly's uh,
0: Philly is Philly's in the, city, the link which is
1: exciting. So that's great. You got expected. about three
0: cities. Uh, three cities in distance of of traveling to.
1: Yeah, you got us uh, New York slash New Jersey, New Jersey, um, and Boston. All uh, all within. Uh, it's definitely road trip distance for sure. Boston's not that bad of a drive, so yeah, uh, very exciting. Twenty twenty six could be a good year for Philadelphia, have a big
0: year. um But this has been episode number four forty of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next time, we're getting the heck out of here. We are signing off. Peace. Peace.